0: From the McCourtney Institute for Democracy on the campus of Penn State University, I'm Michael Berkman. And I'm Chris Beam, and this is Democracy Works. Chris, today we're going to talk about the Mueller
1: report with a special guest. Laura Rosenberger, who is the director of the Alliance for Securing Democracy, which is a project of the German Marshall Fund. So Michael, why don't you just talk kind of overview of, of the Mueller report? I think most people know you know the basics, but uh, and certainly know the most salacious parts of it. But let's talk about it. Just give a broad background, and then talk about setting the table for
0: uh, Laura. Sure. The Mueller report is over 400 pages, and it is broken up into two volumes. Volume one deals with uh, Russian interference in the election, which was the reason for the report in the first place, right? The reason it, it for was the, the, the reason counsel. for the appointment of a special right. counsel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once the special counsel was appointed, uh, then you got to reason number two, and that was that had to do with questions of obstruction of justice. Obstruction of justice, specifically by the president. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and uh, as we, as I, I assume most people know, uh, in the end, uh, Mueller did not recommend indicting the president. Of course. Mueller starts by saying that you can't indict a president. That's Justice Department policy. Uh, But then he goes on to lay out in great detail uh, how the Russians interfered in the election uh, and then what happened in the White House uh, in the uh, weeks and months following the appointment of uh, the special counsel.
1: Right. So, I mean, it is um, fair to say that uh, Mueller concludes that there was no— uh, organized conspiracy with respect to the Russians and their relationship with the Trump right, administration. Right. That, that's
0: right. He considered two legal questions, really, or and two possible impeachment questions as well. And the first had to do with whether or not the president and uh, those around and him— And the campaign and the yeah, administration. Right, right. Conspired with, uh, with Russian officials— to uh, influence the campaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other involves whether or not uh, uh, the president tried to obstruct the investigation into whether or not Russia interfered with the campaign. And
1: and 440 pages later, here we are.
0: Right. But I I think that what we wanted to talk about today were uh, some of, uh, well, What we're going to talk about with Laura has to do with uh, what what was found Mm -hmm. on the Russia part of the investigation. That's her area of expertise. And and most importantly, because I think it's most critical as we come into the 2020 election, is what that tells us about the security of the American electoral system. And how important this is for the issues that, you know,
1: we are most concerned about, right? The condition of democracy Uh, in the United
0: States of America. Right. Well, both parts of the report implicate Mm -hmm. democracy in some important ways. I mean, the, the first part on the Russia investigation gets at the heart of the integrity of American elections. Uh, and whether or not Americans are going to feel like electoral outcomes are legitimate or not. And this is critical. Absolutely. Um, the other thing, I mean, absolutely.
1: If if the election is understood to be fraudulent or suspicious, then um, our, our democracy is threatened. The other thing that I think is often um, not articulated is the Russian effort to um, exacerbate and to um, embolden this kind of uh, partisanization of American life anyway, right so yes. so you hard had them going after not just Trump supporters but also Black lives matter and and burning supporters in order just to make everyone
0: distrustful and angry at everyone else. Yes, I think that actually is, Probably well, Laurel speak to this better than I can, but it seems to me from what I was reading that this was actually a primary goal of what they were Ex- that's to, right. To, just and to it's, disrupt our democracy.
1: And it's a very smart strategy, right? Because democracy if if, if we replace uh, antagonism and competition with enmity, democracy doesn't last, right? It can't sustain itself in at that level of anger and and um, um, well, I guess animosity, right? Yeah. And so it's a, it's a smart thing to just try to push everybody a little bit farther. And and they were very successful at it.
0: Well, and continue to be.
1: And continue to be. All right. So uh, without further ado, here's uh, Jenna Spinelli with um, Laura Rosenberger, the director of the Alliance for Securing Democracy.
2: This is Jenna Spinelli here today with Laura Rosenberger. Laura, thanks for joining us on Democracy Works. Thanks so much for having me, Jenna. So we are going to talk today all about the Mueller report, And uh, I think if you have only paid attention to what has come out about President Trump and his associates, you are missing a big part of the story regarding Russia's efforts to undermine our democracy. And I know that's something that you and your colleagues at the Alliance for Securing Democracy are following very closely. So can you uh, tell us from your perspective uh, what you learned from the report?
3: Yeah, absolutely, Jenna. Um, I think it is one of the most important things to remember is that Special Counsel Mueller was um, appointed to investigate a number of different things, and one of them was Russia's interference in the 2016 election. And we learned through the course of his investigation, including through some indictments that he brought against Russian officials and entities, um, some of what he was finding. But the report definitely added to that. And in many ways, I would say his report and the investigation that he led really built on um, what we found and and saw from uh, the findings of the intelligence community um, in its own assessment of the Russian interference operations, as well as investigations by a number of um, Bipartisan uh, committees in Congress. Um, so, to, to break down what Special Counsel Mueller found, um, the first is you know that, that he basically identified several different components of Russia's interference operations targeting the U.S. election. The first was um, a, a pretty robust social media operation aimed um you're know, using an information operation aimed at manipulating and um influencing debates among Americans these were accounts that were operated by um individuals from a an entity called the internet research agency in st petersburg um that we're largely masquerading as Americans or as American groups, um, and we're trying to uh, engage in and, as I said, really manipulate the political conversation. I think it's important to note a couple of things. One, most of the content of those conversations um, and the content that those Uh, accounts were pushing was not about a particular candidate or party, but was really aimed at um, driving up polarization, um, pushing on divisive issues, really trying to create chaos and turn Americans against one another. We knew from previous investigations that um, one of the things that the um, Internet Research Agency had done through these groups and fake personas was to actually um, organize protests and rallies in the United States, getting real Americans to show up for things, um, not knowing that they were organized to be there by Russians sitting in St. Petersburg. One of the things we learned from the, the Mueller report was, in fact, that it wasn't just a few of those. Um, he spoke to dozens of rallies um, that were created by the Internet Research Agency across the United States over the course of, of basically a year um, in the run-up to the election
2: right and and there were some instances too where people from conflicting sides or you know differing sides of of whatever issue the rally was about were driven to the same event is that right both both by the the both by russians or both by the the internet research agency
3: yeah. So um, in one example in Texas, actually, um, there were two different rallies um, that were organized by groups operated by the Internet Research Agency. One was a group that was called the Heart of Texas. Um, it was sort of a pro Texas secessionism group, but also was pretty focused on, um, pushing back on what it called the Islamization of, um, the United States. Um, so pretty anti-Muslim as a, as a group. And the other group, um, was organized around supporting Muslim rights, um, and, and pushing, you know, uh, for, um, you know, Muslims to, to have, um, you know, full rights, um, and, and be protected in, in America. And, um, the, Internet Research Agency used these two different groups to organize two rallies at the same time, uh, on the same day, on opposite sides of the street and got real Americans to show up to each of those. Americans who believed in what they were showing up to to protest, um, but who didn't know that it was actually Russians that had uh, encouraged them to be there. And we believe that part of the intention of that rally may have been to try to foment violence. Um, by pitting two groups um, on the opposite side of an issue, an emotional issue, um, literally head to head on opposite sides of the street. Now, those people would have never showed up um, it, to those, you know, counter protests, essentially, um, if it weren't for the Internet Research Agency um, prompting them to do so.
2: Right. And so, you know, you and your colleagues in the Alliance for Securing Democracy have been sounding the the alarm on these issues since late 2016 early you know, 2017 pretty much since right after the the 2016 election uh have you seen any evidence that that it's it's working for lack of a better term that those those calls are kind of being heated to to make some
3: changes here so i think we have seen some Incremental steps. Um, I think that maybe we are in a slightly, uh, slightly better position than we were in 2016. Um, but I think that we have a whole lot of, um, a whole lot of progress that we still need to make if we're actually going to better protect our democracy um, against the threats that we face. I think the social media companies need to do a whole lot more um, to to take this issue on in a very. Systemic way, really going after the root of the problem. I worry right now that some of the approach is too focused on kind of eliminating what they've dubbed harmful content. Um, But I think the reality is when we're talking about these kinds of operations, um, the content is sort of the wrong place of thinking about it. This is about a malicious actor trying to manipulate our conversation. It's not about what they're saying. It's about um, the the very manipulative and deceptive way in which they are saying these things. Um, and I think it's really important as we undertake various steps to counter these activities that we don't in any way impinge on Americans' free speech, um, because especially when we're talking about politics, that is really important. So I worry that some of the steps that the social media companies in particular have taken are are more cosmetic, um, but that actually have um, a more negative impact on democracy in some ways um, than if they were to really go at some of the more systemic roots of the problem.
2: Well, who do you see as your... Allies, kind of, in this this fight uh, against Russian interference in our democracy. I think it's it's safe to say from uh, special counsel's report that the the. The Trump administration does does not agree that Russian uh, influence is necessarily a bad thing. And it it seems that, you know, members of Congress from from hearings that, that have happened, um, they don't seem to, to understand how a lot of these technologies work, let alone how they can be uh, compromised. So, uh, I mean, who do you see as as your kind of partners in, in moving the needle on on some of these issues?
3: So I think um, there's a lot of really great folks out there trying to work on different components of this problem set. Um, one of them, you know, there's a there's a really robust community of researchers that have been taking on um, this problem and trying to better understand it and provide information. I think transparency, um, and, and exposing these kinds of operations is one of the really important things that we can do to help combat them. Um, so I'd say that's, that's kind of point number one. Um, point number two is, you know, um, while we have certainly seen, um, a a lack of, uh, Robust focus on this um, on this set of challenges from the administration. Um, I would note, and and of course, I, I said you know there's so much more that needs to be done, but I do think it's important to note that there are people across um, different parts of the executive branch that are working um, to do what they can uh, to help combat different pieces of this problem. Um, so whether it's on the you know social media side and and trying to facilitate some form of Information sharing between the government and the um, social media companies to help better identify nefarious actors. Or whether it is, um, you know, group, you know, efforts within the U.S. government to better protect the cybersecurity of our election infrastructure, which is another piece of the Russian efforts that Special Counsel Mueller identified, was you know attempts by by Russia to to get into parts of our election infrastructure. Um, so there are efforts being made um, across the executive branch. I just think that um, they are. Um, They are right now kind of a patchwork rather than the systemic integrated approach across all of the government that we need.
2: The other, the other piece of this I, I think that we've, we've heard about a lot is actual efforts to interfere in the voting process itself, hacking voting machines and, and things like that. Um, so I guess, can you first talk about, um, did we see any changes there between 2016 and, and 2018 in terms of actually making the, the process of, of voting itself uh, more secure and, and less vulnerable to foreign interference?
3: Yeah, so it, it is, as you noted, one of the other areas that special counsel Mueller identified um, as one of the Russian efforts in 2016. Um, we, we definitely have seen some steps being taken um, around the midterm elections, um, including you know better information sharing between the federal government and state and local officials, getting more information to those officials to be able to um, ensure that they understand the threat picture, um, getting a little bit more funding to them, although the funding that was given to them really was was really for um, addressing existing vulnerabilities, um, even before the the Russian attempts were made. Um, so, it really, was more about playing catch up than about getting ahead of this threat. Um, one of the things, though, that's really concerning to me is in the wake of the Mueller report. One of the things that he had in there that was new was talking about a county in Florida. That had its networks penetrated by Russian cyber hackers. And in the wake of that, there has been a big um, sort of dispute between the federal government and the state of Florida about um, whether that was true, whether there was evidence of that, um, claims that the FBI hadn't shared what they needed. Um, Now, Senator Rubio has come out and very clearly stated that, um, in fact, this happened and that it was possible Um, you know, that um, significant um, efforts could have been made by the Russians against that Florida County. Um, But anytime we have that kind of dispute between federal and and state officials about just what the basic facts are on this, um, let alone um, the lack of sort of public messaging to the American voters... Um, to have the kind of confidence they need in their electoral systems, um, I think that that we're really far away from from what we need in terms of, again, having an integrated system to protect our election systems from these kinds of threats.
2: Yeah, so... Um, given all of that, I mean, how do we get there? And also given the fact that, as you said, our elections are happen at such the, the local level, I mean, literally 50 different states and all the different different municipalities within them. Uh, what what are, are your thoughts on, on um, you know how we get toward that more integrated system?
3: So I think there's a couple of different things that we can do. One of them is, you know, there's a number of mechanisms that the Federal government, um, the executive branch, could introduce that would enable better um, in information sharing and policy and analytic coordination across different parts of the government, number one. Number two is more institutionalized mechanisms for sharing um, information between federal, state, and local officials, Um Some of that comes down to really arcane sounding things like ensuring that officials who are in charge of overseeing our election systems have security clearances. So they can get the kind of information from the federal government about the threats To our election systems that our intelligence community is seeing Um, in the absence of having those kinds of clearances, um, the federal government may have information that they can't share with the people who are actually the ones to protect our systems. Um, So that's another piece that I think is is really important. Um, The third is, you know, I think, uh, again, having more institutionalized mechanisms for sharing between the public sector, uh, the private sector, um, including social media companies um, and state and local officials. One of the things that I'm particularly worried about is that you don't necessarily need to change votes or even mess with the voter rolls um, in any large scale way in order to introduce doubt into people's minds about the integrity of the election. So you could have, you know, a little bit of cyber, um, cyber kind of messing around, if you will, in certain election systems, um, coupled with an information operation that raises questions about whether the integrity of um, votes from that particular place can be trusted because um, there was an attempt on that system. And so um, those are the kinds of things, almost a false flag operation, if you will, that worry me, um, where I think we really need that integrated approach across the federal government, the state and local governments, and the social media companies to be able to detect any kinds of operations or messaging um, that might indicate, you know, an attempt to undermine the integrity of the election.
2: So, Laura, those are all really big changes. And you know, I know that the government does not have a reputation for moving very quickly on some of these issues. Given all of that, what do you think we're most likely to see between now and the 2020 election?
3: Yeah, so one of the things I think is important to keep in mind here is that um, Special Counsel Mueller and other investigations found that the Russian efforts um, targeting the 2016 election started in 2014. Um, Investigations have also found that those operations, especially the social media campaigns, actually increased in, um, like... in in amount um, and and sort of how much they were pumping out um, after the election in 2016. Um, And what I would say is since 2014, we've basically seen an ongoing effort, um, sometimes targeting, um, you know, different issues that are highly divisive in the media. Um, And so I think um, it's important to understand that these operations are ongoing and they evolve at different points in time. I think um, you know, some of the things that I'm worried about that we might see in terms of evolution targeting the 2020 elections, first is um, we've seen the Internet Research Agency getting even better at um, kind of insinuating itself to different activist groups. So whereas, you know, we talked about the example in Houston where they organize these fake rallies using these fake groups that they had created. Um, what we're seeing more of now is actually using the fake personas that they create on social media to reach out to um, real activists and try to encourage them to organize protests and rallies. And so it's then, you know, number one, evades detection a little easier. And two, has very different kinds of free speech and free assembly implications when it's real Americans that are organizing things. Um, So I'm worried about um, things like that. You know, I'm worried about another, um, you know, hack of a political campaign or something like that, which is, of course, another thing that special counsel Mueller talked about in, in his report, um, you know, the hacking and then the public release of documents from uh, the DNC and from officials on the Clinton campaign. I think it's really important that campaigns invest what they need to in cybersecurity um, to make sure that uh, their communications are secure Um and i worry that um you know we will see um you know given the heightened you know given how um energetic things are on the democratic primary side with many many candidates i think there's a lot of reason to believe that the russians could very well try to um, you know, not necessarily pull for a particular candidate in the Democratic primary, I think that's the wrong way of thinking about it, but really try to use the Democratic primary to create divisions and polarization within the party, or undermine trust of the party itself, which again I think is important to bear in mind as, as one of the Russians' goals here, really undermining trust in um, in our Democratic institutions. Um, so those are just some of the things that I'm, I'm worried about. On the solution side, um, look, I I do think that as i said there are people who are trying to do the right things um i think in particular um the Cyber Command um, in the sort of U.S. Department of Defense um, is is trying to do more to really go after the Russian actors um, on their own turf. Um, and I think those are welcome steps and something we need to see much more of. But I think Russia really needs to face a cost um, for these kinds of activities, because the last thing I would say I'm worried about is I'm worried about other actors who are going to believe that what the Russians have done is so successful um, and that they faced a little cost that it's something they want to try to take on themselves. Um, and so I'm very worried about other actors trying to engage in this space as well, um, even if it's just to kind of play the spoiler and be very opportunistic in sort of targeting um, the American um, electorate at a time when everybody is is very, very focused on, on these issues. Um, so you know at the moment, I feel like we've made ourselves we we are a very fertile um, target surface um, for our adversaries to take aim at. Um, and I think that we've got to really turn turn that table around to ensure that we're better protected.
2: Yeah, so to to close here, if you could recommend one thing or you know several things maybe for for our listeners specifically uh, to do to you know what extent can individuals have in kind of combating some of the Russian interference?
3: Well, I think one thing that's important for people to remember um, is as a starting point that democracy matters um, and um, and that we um, you know, really need to make sure that when we're talking about these issues, um, we keep the focus on on improving the resiliency of our democracy um, and making our institutions work. Um, And so I think that that has to kind of be the starting principle. Um, I think that, um, you know, obviously voting is really important. um, So everybody can do that. That's something everybody can do. Um, But I think it's also really important for people's, you know, as on any other issue, um, for people's elected officials to hear from them, um, if this is an issue that they're concerned about, because You know, dozens of bipartisan pieces of legislation were introduced in the last Congress to address these these um, tactics by the Russians, and we have seen none of them become law. Um, and I think it's really important for elected officials to know from their voters, from their constituents, that this is something that, that matters. And then the last thing I think is, you know, it's just really important for people to engage in critical thinking um, on any piece of information. Um, and that includes online and that includes elsewhere. It's really easy in the political campaign context when people are very emotional and you're really trying to make a point And it's very easy to kind of go, you know, hook on to something that we agree with, um, that we think is a a really solid thing, even if we don't know who's saying it or what their interests or motivations may be or where the information came from. And I think it's just important for people to to apply that same critical thinking lens that we would to any other piece of information. And before sharing something or spreading it further, really doing the due diligence to know, um, do you really know where that information came from?
2: Great. Well, Laura, uh, we will leave it there. Uh, thank you for, for all the, the work you've done on this issue. We will link to the information that the Alliance for Securing Democracy has put out, both pre- and post Mueller report. And uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks so much, Jenna. It was great joining you.
1: Well, that was, as advertised, really interesting, thoughtful, informed, and, uh, you know, I was also thinking this is someone who uh, genuinely is concerned about their nation and also about democracy. And uh, so we're we're lucky to have her.
0: Yeah, a lot to worry about. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole social media angle in the way that the Russians have been able to use this to play on pre-existing conflicts already in American society Mm -hmm. and uh, exploit them. Right, right. Okay, that's one. That's one part. But the other part, and a part that I have to say concerns me in some other ways, has to do with their efforts to hack into a state electoral system, say the voter rolls Mm -hmm. or something like that. And here's where you really start to see some of the problems of having such a decentralized electoral system as we have in the United States. Right. we don't we don't have national elections right we, we don't we don't really I mean there there's a role for the federal government there's civil rights protections yeah. there's there are all kinds FEC, of... FEC as we've talked to right there mm-hmm. are there are there there is a place and and there are important roles that the national government plays but for the most part we're depending on state electoral systems who are themselves controlled by partisan forces
1: mm-hmm. and um, you know I've, I've Met some of these folks over the years, and uh, they will tell you that no one gives a damn about elections until something goes wrong. <laughs> so they're
0: completely underfunded and under
1: uh, and don't receive sufficient attention.
0: So the scenario of say one county in Florida or Ohio or Pennsylvania mm-hmm. uh, having been hacked with effects that we may not even know, or maybe it wasn't even hacked, but they just claim it was. Right, it the Russians right. say That's they Laura, hacked into it. Where does that leave us?
1: Right, right. And um, and particularly so when all of these, um, these infrastructure, the, the various states and all, um, are just technologically well behind the curve in terms of uh, the exploitability. And um, the other thing that's changed is that we, we now are in a context in which um, everything's partisanized. So, yeah, that
0: was going to be my point about uh, they, they actually sort of come together, these two parts, because the, you know, it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that the federal government could come through in a very strong way to mm-hmm. protect state electoral systems. Maybe even at some point we start to think about nationalizing our elections. But in such a polarized environment, there's not a chance of that, right? Happening. Right. It I, doesn't I, seem to me anyway.
1: No, I think that's right, and I
0: think that's very frustrating. I mean, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say there's not a chance. I, I, there is something, and, and we talked about this in the first part. There is something unique about having the Trump administration, the ones that have to respond to that, and that is, as you know, as uh, even Barr talked about when he presented the uh, when he presented the report, the president is very concerned about. Anything that might threaten Americans' perception of the illegitimacy of his election. Mm -hmm. So he just can't be the one to lead us through this.
1: And and therefore— so too with all of his supporters. To the degree that they support the president, to that very same degree, they see this whole interference as being a hoax and a and a concoction of uh, liberal media.
0: Yeah, but of course, I see this not really so much as coming from the ground up, but as coming from elites. P- public doesn't vote on the basis of elections. They don't vote on the basis of campaign finance, right? They they but but elites. Recognize the threats that we're facing. Well, I think here. that's this, this right. Is, this is something that they need to come together on and do something.
1: I, there's there's a lot to say about this. We've talked a lot about Facebook already, but it does seem to me. That, again, you have in the 2016 election, it was the first time that uh, Facebook had the kind of profile and the the standing that it did in the election. And so um, nobody really knew how to address some of these issues. Nobody f- expected that they were going to be hacked or, uh, or weaponized. But um, I don't know that I see a lot of... Um, uh, well, what did Laura say? there's some there's some face-saving efforts on the part of social media companies,
0: But no, n- but she's mostly saying people have to be aware, right.
1: The, the one thing we can ask is people who are engaged enough to be listening to this podcast is that they just be aware and cognizant of what they're what they're um viewing on social media.
0: yes. and and a valuable point that Laura made that people have to be, Critical, diligent, diligent about mm-hmm. what they're looking at. Yep.
1: Well, and and uh, we have to uh, rely on people like Laura and like the media to to um, to be
0: vigilant if we won't. She is doing important work. The optimistic note, and we should raise it, and and especially given the criticism that they've received over the last two years, is we have very good people in our intelligence agencies and the like that are. That are working. Who on do this. take this seriously? Who do take this seriously and, and who are working. Are angry. Right? Yeah.
1: No, I think that's right. And, and
0: democracy yeah. relies right. upon professionals like that mm-hmm. doing their job. Mm-hmm.
1: And so thank you to her and from the Recording Institute for Democracy, I'm Chris Beam. I'm Michael Berkman. Thanks for listening.
2: Democracy Works is produced by the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State and WPSU Penn State. Our hosts are Michael Berkman, Chris Beam, and me, Jenna Spinelli. Andy Grant is our engineer and Mark Stitzer is our editor. Additional support comes from Emily Reddy, Shireen Stanford, Craig Johnson, and the rest of the team at WPSU. For detailed show notes and discussion questions for each episode, visit our website at democracyworkspodcast.com. And if you like what you heard today, please consider rating or reviewing us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.